You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 28 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the show for December 2015. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and joining me, I have, of course, a fabulous panel, as always. In no particular order, we have uh, Guy and Gaz with us from the My Mac podcast. Hi, guys. Hey, we are very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing at this point in time. I, I worry <laughs> slightly when guests apologize up front. That's supposed to come at the end. <laughs> Ah, ah. Well, I, I, I like to jump the gun. Okay, then. Uh, also with us, we have Nick Riley. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bosk. Uh, good to be back on again. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, as always. And then, finally, we have the wonderful Victor Cahiao joining us from way, 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 way the far side of the United States. Hi, Victor. Hey, hi to everybody from the other side of the pond. It's the other side of the pond and the other side of a continent. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot about that other continent thing. Yeah. Yes, can't you pond? Does that make me incontinent? I'm sorry. I oh, had to go there. <laughs> I don't know, Victor. Only your doctor can answer that question. <laughs> okay. Well, I suppose we should start by wishing the listeners a happy new year because we are recording this in the very, very early days of January. And, of course, the month that we're talking about is the month that's just finished, which is December. Um, hopefully our listeners all had a lovely Christmas as well. Um so I have just one notable number that I picked up for December. Uh, so Apple said that their data shows that three times uh, or that Apple Maps is now used three times as much as, quote, the nearest leading competitor, which I think we all assume is the old Google Maps. So any, anyone have any thoughts on, on this? I like using the Firefox Maps. So it, keeps, <laughs> it keeps changing all the time. You know, it, Apple Maps have come such a long way. They really have. I, I was one of the haters when they first came out and had their problems, but they've come a long way, and I, I've come to rely on them more and more, especially for, you know, navigation when I'm in a pinch and I'm just too lazy to put the address into my car's GPS. And it does a really nice job. So I, I think they've come a long way. And uh, do, do they yeah. sit on the back end of Waze, Victor? Do you know? Do they use Waze? You no, know, I don't know. I really don't know who they sit in the back end of, to be honest. I thought they had bought their own mapping companies until they were doing their own thing. But that's just my impression. Yeah, I, well, I thought they were you know running their own. Um, do you know what's weird about Apple Maps as compared to Google Maps, at least for me, is I find that the, the search functionality in Apple Maps is actually better than the one in Google Maps. I, I find it much easier to find the, the stuff that I don't know where it is in Apple Maps. Yeah. Well, certainly, certainly over here, the traffic that it comes up with is is usually pretty good. So I'm, you know, I'm quite impressed with the in, it highlighting the traffic and the problems that are around. So, to your first statement, Bart, yeah, it has come uh, a very long way to put a map analogy in there. Yeah, well, I I find myself reaching for Apple Maps before Google Maps all the time now. Yeah, um, uh, I think the I, exception for me, I'm sorry, Bart. Go ahead. No, 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 carry on. Now, the exception for me is, you know, uh, some of the local business and, and some of the, the rating stuff and that kind of thing that goes into Google Maps and, and people, are, you know, it's curated by the entire community. There, I think, you know, Google still shines 
for me. Um, and because I guess I also contribute to that ecosystem in that if I find a cool restaurant in town or something, I take the three minutes to, you know, do a quick rating on it, give it some stars, whatever it happens to be, or the opposite. Um, so there I, I still go to Google Maps. But uh, for other things, I think Apple Map has just uh, leaps and bounds from when they started. Yeah. Actually, one of the particularly cool things with Apple Maps is the nice tie-in to the Apple Watch. That that has made a big difference for me. Uh, I think it's also... It, sorry, Nick, carry on. Go on. I was just going to say, I think it's easy for Apple as well to have this sort of statistic because far and away, the biggest usage of a smartphone seems to be from... Uh, the Apple smartphone or the iPhone. And it's then quite easy for the vast majority of those people probably don't trial other map or mapping applications. They just go to the map that's on there. So it's almost an easy win. And if it's working properly, they'll go back and use it time and time again. So the more people buy uh, the phone now and find that Apple Maps is working, it's probably a no-brainer for them to continue using it. Yeah, Apple has to be good enough to make people not go looking for a competitor. They don't have to be the best. They just have to be good enough that people aren't going to get cranky. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that um, if you click on a map link or whatever on an mm-hmm. iPhone, that it takes you to Apple Maps anyway? I think so. But I'm wondering, is it possible for developers to write their calls with Google's URL call? Because when one app reaches out to another, it uses an HTML scheme. Um, so I, I don't know if you can if you can say actually no, I want to go to Google Maps if I can. I don't know. Um, it's pretty no one here's a developer that would, that would tell <laughs> <No>. us. <laughs> I'm not. I certainly like the time we mentioned this the other week on um, my Mac podcast that the, the time with notes and the easy way that you can just share maps and locations with notes now. So yeah. And I don't know how important it is for other people, but for me, another big factor is that I prefer Apple's terms of service to Google's. And I think the point where I stopped using Google Maps completely was the point when Google changed their um, privacy policy. Terms, terms of service? Yeah, so they made it so that if you sign into one Google app on your iPhone, you're signed into them all. It's like, okay, fine, I don't mind being signed into YouTube, but just because I'm signed into YouTube doesn't mean you get to know where I'm going, Google. Only according to their terms of service, it does. And that's just mm-hmm. not good enough. So that was it. That was the day that Google Maps got thrown off my phone. And I haven't missed it. I haven't once gone, oh, if only I had Google Maps. It's, Apple Maps is just fine. Yeah, it works great. I, yeah, I'll swap between uh, Apple Maps and, and Waze. Just that's because the Waze does have some good user interaction. So, yeah. um, But I suppose the more people that use Apple Maps and actually they've got some interaction on it if they start going down that path then uh, then ways will be said uh, bye bye but it ways does come up with some pretty good routes i've got to say yeah. how do you uh, avoid some of the noise or what i would presume would be noise from all the users and ways do you have the ability to filter a lot of that out uh you can't well <laughs> y- yes I, i'm not when i say i use ways i don't do a lot of traveling which involves I mean, I've used it probably more over this Christmas period because we've been doing quite a lot of traveling. And I know exactly what you're saying, Victor. So that might be something which I would find a problem because I have seen some of that. So that's not something which has annoyed me yet, but I have started to see that. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. So you don't have an answer? No. 
<laughs> okay. Um, if any, unless anyone else has some final thoughts, I think we shall move on. Okay, so the next segment is the good old legal latest. Uh, an easy story first. Apple has reached a 318 million euro settlement with the Italian government over tax claims. Um, the Italian government say Apple owe them tax. Apple say they don't. Rather than going to court, they decided they'd have a little bit of a settlement, and so they agreed to pay 318 million. Uh, so that ends the tax office's gripe with Apple. But there's actually a, a criminal investigation going on into the Apple executives who are responsible for Apple's tax policy. So, strangely enough, half of the government have settled, but the other half of the government are still carrying on. So this story isn't quite over yet. Well, it is Italy. Yes. If ever there was a place where there was lots of tax evasion, it seems unfair to hold Apple to a higher standard than they hold their own people. But what can I say? There's a lot of bureaucracy goes on in Italy. So uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that it's not ended yet. True. Speaking of not ending... We have the story that will not die. <laughs> Apple v. Samsung. Believe it or not, there were four developments in this bloody story in, in the last month. So at the start of the month, Samsung agreed to pay Apple a down payment on the money that they were found to have owed Apple at least a year ago now, if not longer. So they paid Apple $548 million, but they reserved the right to ask for it back should any of the patents get overturned. Uh, Apple do not agree they have that right. They say they do. So they're still arguing with that. Uh, as expected then, because Samsung have basically lost every appeal other than going to the Supreme Court, therefore it is no surprise that Samsung have now filed a motion asking the Supreme Court to review the case. So we now wait and see whether or not the US Supreme Court decides to hear the case. You know, uh, My guess is they won't. You think? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're going to bother with it. I think this has gone on so long, and that it's you know it, it it's pretty much a, a foregone conclusion, especially with all the evidence against it, that this is exactly what Samsung did. So why would the Supreme Court waste their time in redoing everything that some of the lower courts have done? Well, the argument being made is that some of the some of the things that are being patented really shouldn't have been patented. So actually, that's something for the Supreme Court to decide. Well, uh, it's not up for them to decide whether or not the patents are valid. That's up. That's up to the patent office. Well, no, it's up to them to decide whether or not whether or not the patent law actually whether the interpretation of patent law is in fact correct. Because that's ultimately what Samsung are saying that this whole look and feel patent carry on is nonsense. Mm, they well. might take it up because patent, like patents, are a thing at the moment in terms of ca- making an awful lot of court cases. So maybe the Supreme Court will want to weigh in, but I wouldn't bet on it either. Yeah, I think they're going to push it back down to East Texas. Well, if they push it back down, well, actually, there's no, <laughs> there's no back down to push. So all they, they can know, either I hear know. it or say, no. I suppose they could yeah. hear it and then push it down. But the chances are they'll either hear it or not. I think I don't think they will. Probably right. I think part of the problem yeah. with a lot of these legal wranglings is is the fact that they're wrangling over stuff that has become sort of normal for all of us now. Because um, it, it's of, so slow. <laughs> yes. So all these things are sort of taken for granted in any device that you buy, yeah. or a lot of them are anyway. Yeah, it, uh, it's weird that the technology actually moves faster than uh, the, the patent lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is now a valid financial decision in a business to simply say, 
we will make three billion selling a product that infringes patents. We will then expect it to cost us a billion in legal fees and a billion in damages. We'll have made a billion profit. Woohoo! That that is a viable business model, which one could argue is in use by certain companies who have been mentioned so far. Mm. So far. This story, um, for me, I mean, this whole Apple Samsung patent thing, it's really become like the Jar Jar Banks of technology you know, stories. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's ludicrous, you know? And, and I mean, patent reform is not going anywhere. They're not, certainly the Supreme Court, in my opinion, is not going to use this case, you know, to uh, give their opinion about patent reform. So uh, I tend to agree with the other people saying that this, uh, I think it's going to die in the vine. They're going to throw it back down the lower courts and say, you know, do what they said and that's it. Patent reform will have to be looked at after the election, if ever. Yeah. Uh, Misa thinks you owe us lots of money, you betcha. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Actually, just speaking of the fact that this is all going so slowly, so the, another development that happened this month is that Apple filed a motion for supplementary damages. So this is... So there was a judgment made, which Samsung appealed, but after that judgment was made, Samsung kept infringing. So Apple are now looking for damages for that time after the first judgment, because they've now lost all their appeals. And they're also looking for interest on the money they haven't paid them until now. And so even though supplementary damages are quite substantial that they're looking for on top of what they've already been granted but haven't really been paid all of yet, it's all, it's all very, very, very slow. Very slow. I'm yeah, I think that one... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm surprised the Supreme Court doesn't just doesn't say, just let it go. <laughs> I don't think they're the kind of uh, that doesn't strike me as their personality. Uh, no, maybe not. <laughs> Sweating the detail is sort of their shtick. Um, another, the whole, uh, know, I'm sorry, the whole supplement damages case thing to me it's just pro forma. You know, Apple yeah. has to do that. Their lawyers have to do that. Yeah. It's just yeah. you know part of the legal ramblings of it. So I think it just it makes the news. Purely because you know it's it's part of this case, but it's really just lawyers doing what lawyers are getting paid big bucks to do. Yeah, yeah. it's just and when you kick. look at when you look at numbers like five hundred and forty-eight million to to like the average person on the street, they're probably like, "Whoa, will Samsung even still be in business?" When in actuality, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Something else which is interesting to have come out of this. So obviously, the lawyers have gotten good and proper rich out of all of this. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but another strange side effect of this case has been that Apple have had to release stuff they wouldn't normally release as part of these proceedings. So uh, BGR have a piece I'm linking in the show notes over at letstalk.ie about all of the cool things we've learned about Apple because they've decided to fight this case. And, you know, some of it is, is, you know, things, but also a whole bunch of pictures of iPhone prototypes that never were. And, I mean, it's really quite a fun read, actually. And so maybe I shouldn't be quite as cranky about having to report on this case for every month since I started this show and even before then. <laughs> so anyway, that's over in the show notes. So if anyone wants to have a read and a look, that's over there for people to enjoy. Yeah, I, I like the Octagon one. <laughs> the, 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 it is kind of cool. Kind of. Although I think the, the ones were the sort of the oh, roundy the top and bottom. And white roundy edges. Well, the one above that, with, where the, yeah. can, can I say there are there are some very good rejections in there? As in that they would have been, as in it's good that they rejected it, or that it, they yes. were good. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Some of them, I think, yuck. I quite like the well, one with the headphone jack was in the side, where you have the roundy top and roundy bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the second one. Yeah, the one under the octagon. 
This is yeah. not good listening, I suppose. No, it isn't. But actually, <laughs> the one below that looks awfully like a Lumiere. Probably yeah. when they use yeah, it. it does. Okay, so that's there for people to enjoy at their leisure. Uh, then it's, I always like when we can report on legal latest that a court case has ended. So Apple and Ericsson were suing each other over patents. That is now finito. They have decided to license each other's patents. Much simpler option than all this court case fighting stuff. So that's one that's closed. Ray, Yay. So that takes us into the main stories. Uh, we have five of them to get through and the first one's a doozy. Uh, I've been putting off the first topic for quite a while because it's not an easy topic to talk about and it's an easy topic to screw up but the year has come to an end and i really think we can't keep ignoring the fact that there is a gigantic battle underway that is it's going to have started in 2015 and is going to come probably to a crescendo in 2016 over government rights to see everything and people's rights not to have everything seen and the battlefield for that battle is technology and it's the likes of Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook, to a very, very large extent, who are going to be the main players in this battle. And right now, I wouldn't have picked it, but right now, the front line in this battle is in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So I'm there ducking is... my head. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we have two UKers here. Yay. Um, yeah, I would don't have expected... nod your head, Gaz. I'm nodding my head, yes. Thank you. <laughs> See, I would have thought that it would have been our, three Ameri- or our two Americans who would have had... Um, a lot to say, you know, who would have been on the front line, but no. So there is an actual law that is making its way through the committee process in the UK called the Investigatory Powers Bill, and it would mandate back doors. And this month, Apple sent evidence to the committee basically telling them all the reasons this is a terrible idea because it would put Apple in the impossible position where they could, to meet one country's law, they would be forced to break another country's law, and then how do you decide which law is more important than which other law? And is doing real damage to everyone's security from the real world of cybercrime, which we are in direct danger of all the time, is that a fair trade-off for protecting us from very rare terrorist events? So it's all, it's a very, very difficult debate. So I don't really know where to begin the conversation other than to say that the UK is where it's happening and Apple did submit evidence. Uh, What I will say is in the show notes, I have um, particularly the last two links in the show notes I think are very important. So there's um, Ars Technica did a roundup of a sort of an FAQ. They call it fact-checking the whole debate. So that's actually good to keep the facts clean in your head. And then the other one is also from Ars Technica, is a reminder of what happened almost 25 years ago under the Clinton administration when the government tried to mandate backdoors into encryption of phone conversations using a piece of hardware called the Clipper chip. That didn't go well. And the strange thing is, when you read evidence to Congress, it's as if no time has passed because all of the arguments against the Clipper chip are... right back again. They're right back again. It's... It's deja vu all over again, which is a very interesting read. And it's all the same people giving all the same evidence again, going, no, it was a terrible idea. It's still a terrible idea. Well, the, the biggest problem with, with something like this is that they're assuming that, that, you know, number one, they're doing all this above board. So it's not mm-hmm. like the people that they're trying to get access to, you know, their information don't know what's happening. Mm. So if you go ahead and foolishly open up a back door to the main processes of people's phones and computers and and basically thereby also opening it up 
to you know hackers and business there's no way you can keep something like this completely quiet you're also going to make it so that okay they'll just say well you know what we'll just use some other technology yeah and they'll just get right around it the the prop the the prop the thing the problem here is there's a much there's a bigger issue up we because i think all of those arguments are well known and understood by everybody the biggest issue here in parliament you you've got you've got people in power whether it be on this side of the pond or any other side of any other water, you've got people in power that want to know things. You've got people in power that think they know that this is the right route to do it. Rather than trying to fix it, fix the problem at source, they're fixing the result of what their policies have created in the past. And this is very easy for them to get some good publicity to say, look what we're doing. We all know it's wrong. We, I, I, well, I believe we all know it's wrong. Most of us think that this is wrong. But the problem is there's a lot of people out there that phew, don't care, really. That's what the government wants to do. Yeah, just let them get on with it. They seem to be doing a good job, and it's the same government, whoever that you put in. And that apathy is our worst enemy. Wait, so- are you talking about the government or Google? <laughs> I think the argument holds either way, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> well, let's um, not be let's just not be nasty in this instance against okay. Google. But, but, okay, but but, but I, I I think that the the issue is you've got people in power who think this is the right thing to do, and will force it and force it and force it. And I hope that not only Apple stand up and make these uh, statements, but that other companies come in as well. Which has happened, actually. So yeah. the, the, the tech companies have been speaking with a very unified voice and the Electronic Frontier Foundation has also been speaking with a very clear voice on this. Um, the first thing that occurs to me that, I, I mean, I think I think we all agree on this, but just to be sure, I just want to just say it very clearly. The, the very keyest point for me is that encryption is just mathematics. You cannot make encryption go away by making it illegal. So if you force weakening of encryption for ordinary people you won't actually provide any protection from terrorism because the terrorists can just put a wrapper of encryption around what they're putting through the known compromised encryption and then all the backdoor will get them is a backdoor to a completely encrypted text yeah they, they, will they will find a way they will find a way different yeah. key but you just yeah. go to you, you you go online you go to an open source project you, you can encrypt trivially it, it's trivial to do 256 so, bit too. Yeah. So the back door will mean all of us are at more risk from cybercrime every day. And what have yeah. we gained yeah. for giving up that freedom? Nothing. Bupkis. Absolute bupkis. And I, th- I think one of the points that really caught my eye was in one of the quotes in one of the stories here where a government person used the word technology wizard. They don't understand technology. They think it's magic, and therefore they think that we can magic a backdoor into being. They genuinely don't understand, and that is so scary in this day and age. Technology is so important, and the people making these decisions have no bloody clue. And and if we take a step back from the internet and from Mm -hmm. technology, would it have been okay if they'd come up with a bill before all that existed which said... We're going to tap all your phones. Uh, we're going to make you have a backdoor so we can tap any phone we like. And we're going to put microphones in your homes and we're going to listen to everything you're saying. Because that's effectively what 
what this bill will allow is for them to get in and have a look at what's going on, what people are talking about, what they're doing. It would have, there would have been a huge outcry against it. It's simply because it's technology and people think, oh, I don't really understand technology. Therefore, um, they must be doing the right thing. I'll let them get on with it. Because they can. Yeah, as, yeah. as long as it doesn't interrupt their Bejeweled game, they're okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You leave Bejeweled alone. <laughs> Another thing that makes me cranky about all of this is, um, so we've been here before in the 90s. We had a U.S. ban on proper encryption for export, which is causing us to have real cybercrime problems today because some of those old ciphers are still soaking people's browsers. So just in 2015, we've had quite a few news stories where there were problems caused by export-grade ciphers. That's a hangover from Bill Clinton. The Clipper chip is a hangover from Bill Clinton. Hillary Clinton stood up and said that the tech wizards should do some magic to make it all better. For God's sake, don't you learn? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I think Bart, that this is what you said about it being scary is that here we have these legislatures, the people that are running for office for president of this country, for God's sakes, um, and, and others probably worldwide who just don't have a clue. And then you've got that pacifist public that really does only care about bejeweled. You know, and, and so this is how things like here in the U.S., uh, the U.S. Patriot Act gets enacted, you know, uh, because uh, the, the, the government is going to scare the masses into thinking this is the right thing to do to protect us from the boogeyman, you know. And, and then the people who are legislating the laws are not savvy enough to know the difference between the technology wizards and, you know, some of the nuts and bolts that the tickets yeah. do. I mean, really, all they have all they have to do is just say pedophiles and terrorists, and you know they jump all over it. So well, and it's timing. The children, I just hear that Ned yeah. Flanders' voice. And, yeah, and it's the timing, and it's you know whether they're going to do it for goodness' sakes uh, because of something like the tragedies that have happened in Paris and other places. You know, a lot of that stuff is political timing, and and at least here in the U.S. with a presidential election year coming up, my goodness. Some stupid decisions are made during presidential years. We we yeah. just can look at history to know that. And and so that's what's scary. And the average consumer technical person probably not listening to this show. Those are the people that just don't know, you know. And so they think, well, maybe it's for the good of the country. And uh, so we won't have terrorism. They don't get the fact of what you said, that those terrorists don't care. It's, you know, it's like here in the U.S., you know, if you will. You know, make guns legal, then only criminals will have guns. Well, there's that argument for sure. So, it does make you ask the question, though, doesn't it? But who's advising these governments? Well, the, well, it's the same people that want be... all that information. You're right. The FBI, the exactly. FBI, the CIA, they want information. They don't care how they justify it. They want information. They live and breathe information. That's their shtick. Yeah, but you would have thought that if they're making legislation about it, then they'd at least consult some clever people. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> you would think that, but the, I think the the, the it all depends what complex. agenda they've got. It yeah. all depends what agenda they've got. And exactly. the other thing is, you have to you, you have to put those two words together and not laugh, which is politics and intelligence. <laughs> or government and intelligence. Yeah, and something else that's very relevant to this discussion is Edward Snowden. Because mm. why is it we have such a hard time trusting the government with this stuff? How's about because we found out that just a few years ago they were completely untrustworthy? I mean, no time has passed. 
We now know that the CIA sabotaged encryption standards from the National Institute of Standards and Technology, the NIST. They put a known bad cipher in there and made every business in America less secure because they Mm -hmm. would get the more information. So we know the government are out to utterly make us all insecure for their lust for for data. For their own reasons, yeah. So, you know, that that is, uh, you can't divorce the two discussions. Government should stay out of technology. That that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, they can't though. Which well, is why they, it's important well, I'm for. Say, I'm not saying they they can't. I'm saying they shouldn't, or that they should. I'm not even sure yeah. they should. I think they just we just need it's it's up to it's up to the nerds to understand to make sure that our voices are heard so that intelligent stuff happens because you can't run a country without including technology in your policies. And we need. Uh, I know this is probably. Um, hyperbole to think that this will happen but you know we need almost a council of technologists that are nonpartisan, you know for the most part or at least equally partisan or, so that we can they can speak about those kinds of things in a way that it isn't uh, you know leveraging one agenda or the other i mean today they're hearing companies you know like apple and like the electronic foundation and the technology companies that are gathering and all they hear is, you know, these liberals don't want us to get, you know, a hold of anything and that we just we can't conduct business that way and still keep our three initial uh, letters in, in our the name of our organization. Well, given that's actually a very interesting idea because we have or we have the the, the United States has something very like that for financial managers. You have the Congressional Budget Office, who are a nonpartisan group of experts who score legislation to determine in an impartial way what its effect on the budget will be. So if you had an equivalent nonpartisan group of technologists who could basically score proposed ideas and say, here is the pros and here are the cons, and then decision makers could make an informed decision because they would know that the good and the bad of every idea. Yeah, but what has it taken, unfortunately, in this country? It seems like it's taken some catastrophe, you know, uh, the Great Depression, you know, to yeah. put on uh, limits in the stock market. Uh, you know, in the, in the banking thing, you had to have almost the meltdown of the financial uh, banking in order for there to be uh, controls put in place there. So, you know, is that what it's going to take in this particular area is a total meltdown in, in that technology way for somebody to finally realize that what you're saying is the right way to go about it? Um, back to your, the, the the start, Bart. Okay. Is is the reason the that this is the front line in the UK because we don't have much in the way of manufacturing or big Apple base here when it comes to um, tax paying liabilities, whereas the front line isn't in the US because maybe they do. I don't know. That's a really That's good a point. Cynic. That's a it's a cynical view, but. No, I don't think, I'm not sure I'd use the word cynical. I think that's, a, you know, money talks and these large corporations are not British. Yeah. That's well, a very good point. Uh, uh, you have to remember that, that Apple doesn't really make much here in the United States. <laughs> Just money. <laughs> they make a lot of money there. I know they don't make a lot, but that's their base for their, their you know, the main profit will and. and you know, margins is all going to be reported there. They make a um, a lot more money there than they do certainly in the UK. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they're on the US stock market. They employ an awful awful lot of US people. They're they're bringing a very considerable amount of money into the economy certain, of California. Yeah, yeah, they'll certainly have a lot more influence in the US, I think. Then, yeah, yeah well, I would agree with that because they are American based companies. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I know we complain. Everyone complains they don't pay enough tax, but. A small percentage of their billions is still a lot of money. Yeah. 
Okay. Any anyone want to chime in with any final thoughts before we move off the most difficult story of the month? I think that's going to be a, a, an ongoing story for a while yet because the, oh, yeah. the, oh, yeah. the bill, the bill, I think will st- has still got and hit. I've got to say the Liberal Democrats Democrats were uh, in the um, in power with the Tories until we had our election last year, and they actually went against this. So I've got to hold my hands up and say, well done to them. Um, because they could see the light. I just wish this government can see the light before it makes some stupid legislation in place. Mm. Well, I think there was also something said about silly mistake or silly decisions are made in election years, but this was an election promise. So this is an exact example. I think it was Victor who made that point. Yeah. It's an exact example of that point. Okay, let us move on to a much easier story. Apple have <laughs> done a little bit of rejiggering in the executive lounge. Um Jeff Williams, who was very much Tim Cook's number two uh, when Tim Cook was chief operating officer or COO. Uh, and Jeff Williams was actually put in charge of that department, but he was never given the title chief operating officer. He was vice president for operations. Well, now he has achieved COO status. And cool. That, cool. Uh, which I think sort of makes him the next st- uh, Tim Cook in the sense that... It, he is now the person who is the obvious successor to Tim Cook, should anything happen. Mm. And then the other big change is that Phil Schiller got a little bit more responsibility and Eddie Q got a little bit less. Um, the app stores have moved as from being considered part of music to being considered part of Phil Schiller's remit. So I think everyone is hoping that the app stores will become more sane from a developer point of view because Phil Schiller is much more of a tech guy than Eddie Q, who's much more of an entertainment guy. So time will tell whether that's optimistic or realistic. But anyway, there is a change of responsibility, and it's now Phil Schiller's problem. Well, hopefully uh, somebody will put some sense into iTunes. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's still under Eddie Q's bailiwick, and I see no sign of sanity coming out of there anytime Uh. soon. So these are a couple of very interesting moves, I, I think, along with the move of Johnny Ives earlier this year mm-hmm. to completely separate himself from management uh, or at least a management type role. So uh, Jeff Williams, it's very interesting because if we take a look at the role that Tim played while Steve Jobs mm-hmm. was, the, was at the helms, you didn't hear about Tim, but Tim was doing all this magic in the background, clearly yeah. has paid dividends now and clearly made him the lineup for being the CEO and who uh, Steve wanted to appoint all on the way. So it'll be interesting to see how Tim handles this opportunity with Jeff Williams as far as how much he exposes him to us or if mm. he, or is he going to be the traditional COO type of background operations guy just like Tim was. So it'll be interesting to see how Tim acts with Jeff in this particular stance. You know, Are we going to see Jeff this year? appearing in March, for example, if they have a uh, uh, something there. So I think that's, that's very interesting from that perspective. And then when it comes to Phil, he's got a, you know, he's got a <laughs> lot of work to do, you know, because it's just, I think it was, I'm not going to say mismanaged, but it could have been better managed. I, I'll we, go we so far as mismanaged, Victor. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I think they've mismanaged okay. the App Store, but continue. Well, I, I, I think that the opportunity isn't you know, the little things like, you know, how about if you want an app for your Apple TV that you're able to give someone a link for that? <laughs> you know, I mean, these and, and then like you're saying, developer relations and, and making sure that a lot of the things that developers have been barking about for a very long time and some of them have cut the cord with the App Store and said this is enough. 
you know, will that tide be able to be turned in order to serve the consumer, the developers, and Apple, hopefully in that order. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. It, it's it's that's that's a really good point, actually, Victor, uh, because logistic people are very when it comes to um, data and what's happening, they're very black and white. There's no gray, and I think the App Store. There's a very much gray area in there as to, especially when you're dealing with lots of different third parties, which you are when you're dealing with lots of different developers. Whereas, and I've seen this in my own company, logistical people look at that and go, no, it's either this or this. There's no gray area. And it, mm-hmm. and, it, and it doesn't work like that. Now, when you're dealing with logistics, it either gets delivered or it doesn't, which is true. It's either in stock or it isn't. It's not half in stock. Yeah, Yeah, it's not half in stock. And, you know, there are are grey areas which they sort out, they fix. You know, if it's it's in transit, they know it's in transit and it's going to be here then. And if there's any problems, they'll sort those out. Whereas dealing with people, dealing with developers, you know, dealing with um, people who want to buy your products, there's always a a certain amount of of, of greyness in the air, I think. And that's where they've they've perhaps failed uh, in the App Store for for a, a year or two. Or perhaps a bit more than a year or two. <laughs> Actually, just Victor, on your first point there, will we see Jeff Williams? My bet is we won't, because Apple <clears> have said that they put people on stage who have delivered, who are responsible for the product being talked about. Well, a mm. chief operating officer is not responsible for any product that is ever going to be shown off to people. They're just the backstage conductor who makes the orchestra play effectively. They just <laughs> make everything appear. So I would be very surprised if we see him on stage. Not because yeah, I don't be trust him. Yeah, it was just because he, he just has nothing to tell us, the regular plebs. No, I mean, obviously, he's, he's going to be a very trusted person. And, and you're, like, you're right. If he does a great job, likely a successor or a potential successor to, to a Tim Cook. So uh, it, it's just always interesting to me to see the, the politics of dancing there yeah. and how Tim, who was in that position, unlike Steve Jobs, you know, how he'll mm-hmm. handle that situation will be very telling about Tim's management style. Yeah. Um, something I do want to dig a bit more into is the App Store. Um, so I'm not even sure if the issue is with the greys. I think the issue is with the just whole la 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 fingers in the ears. This is how it will be. <laughs> uh, yep. Because yep. the App Store is a really, really, really thinly disguised version of the iTunes Store. And on the back end, it's the same bloody stuff. And the thing is, an MP3 and an app are not the same thing. Only, weirdly enough, on an MP3, I can get a demo version. I can get a 30-second version I can listen to. I can try before I buy. But with an app, I can't even do that. Uh, upgrade pricing. There's not such a thing as an upgrade to an MP3, but there certainly is the software. So it, the whole business model is you've had a guy who sells movies, TV shows, and music trying to sell apps, and it's a wrong fit every which way. So give us give us the ability to try before we buy. Give us the ability to upgrade, get upgrade pricing, and I think developers will be right back on board and customers yeah, will be a lot yeah. happier too. Definitely. Any, any other thoughts from anyone on the reshuffle? I, I don't think, again, uh, you know, <laughs> who would have known that Tim Cook would have done as well as he's done? Because I think he has done a good job. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people will oh, say, yeah. oh, there's no innovation there anymore. Well, you know, <laughs> give him yeah. a break. There, 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 were, there were many years when 
um, Apple had a you know a quiet period. You can't hit the ball out of the park every single time you release a product, and you know give the man a break. But you know, just look at where Apple are now. You can't see he hasn't done a good job, and who knew about him? So these new guys, I think you know, time only time will tell, really. Well, and especially given the fact that uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, Apple in the last. Uh, five years has had to just change so much. You know, they have become yeah. such a different company from the, just their focus perspective. You know, they're, they're, you know, leaning to more towards the Sony, you know, than they were towards the Apple computers, you know, uh, and, and that's just an evolutionary thing. Nothing we can do about it. We can, some of us like it. Some of us don't like it. There are pluses and minuses to all of it, but it is just a different operating environment than even when Steve Jobs left it. You know, and so it, it's, a, it's a very hard challenge. And in some instances, I think Apple is doing a good job, uh, but uh, being a more um, or being a selfish, uh, you know, pre iPhone Apple guy, you know, we sometimes go, oh, darn, you know, but it just isn't the same company anymore. So they have to behave differently because their user base is so much larger and their focus and their revenue is coming from the phone. You know, so it, it's a very interesting yeah. dynamic as a as a person who loves Apple and wants to love Apple, but sometimes feel a little disappointed. Probably a whole other show, Bart. But you know, you know, well, what I'm I, going I, I, I'll just very. I'll have one 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 counter to that argument is the piece of Apple tech I have. I have. I haven't bought it with my own money. It's my work machine. But the piece of Apple tech I now use on a daily basis that has given me the most wonder and joy in a very 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 long time is the new 12 inch MacBook. And that device could only have come from a company that made iPads. Interesting. That's, that's well, such you know a magical what? My, device. My next, my next laptop, I'm currently still on a 2009 uh, 15-inch MacBook Pro. But I, I was actually at a store today, and I was looking at the, uh, the MacBook. Mm-hmm. And just kind of picked – and every time I picked that thing up, it's like the damn thing is even lighter – than yeah. an iPad. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's it's an incredible machine, and even the fact that it that it's a mobile processor and you know I mean all and only one port and blah blah blah. You know, you, we could probably go on for an hour talking about all the negatives that people like to throw up about it. It is ju- it's a it's a sexy little laptop, and it will do anything. That that ninety nine point nine percent of the people that are mobile needed to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sysadmin by trade. I spend a lot of time on computers. That is now my work computer. It is perfect. It is such a joy to work with. And anyway, I think that you make a really good point. Just one little more mm-hmm. thing is that the reason that you probably feel that way is because you're willing to adapt to the changes that are happening in the technological world. And I think that, you know, that's what we have to be willing to do as yeah. Apple enthusiasts and users. You know, I've moved on and I'm trying to use the iPad Pro as my only laptop, quote unquote, computer. You know, and now I can go kicking and screaming and say, I'll never do that. Or I can say, guess what? You better join this century and get on board and see if it fulfills <laughs> your need and stop your whining. And I'm, and I'm saying that to myself. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and most of the people there. whining wouldn't use a product like that anyway. Yeah, so don't. So what know. is the point of whining about it? Right. I, I, I sometimes wonder about the chicken and the egg thing, but the reason I love Apple is because they're always innovating and they're, they're not afraid to do something that no one has done before. Square eggs. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's because they make cool stuff like that 12-inch MacBook that's nothing like what Dell are doing. That's why I'm an Apple fan. 
it's not that I'm an Apple fan despite the fact that they do weird shit. It's because they're prepared to push the boat out that I love the company so much. So, <laughs> And now you get to go to the and, next And I think as users, we have to take <laughs> the same challenge up. You know, are we going to stay in the last, you know, decade or are we as users going to evolve along with it and be willing to be innovative as in the way that we use our machines, you know, uh, that maybe Apple is providing for us. So anyways, that's well, sorry. Yeah, about that well, otherwise, we would still be on uh, OS 9. Oh, exactly. No, uh, don't go to Intel. My God, you'll ruin everything. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the single best thing Apple ever did was go on Intel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would agree. Exactly. I agree. Okay, I don't really know how to segue to this next topic. Um, <laughs> what should have been the biggest controversy of the month should have been about this whole spying thing, you know? That's seriously a much more important topic. But I honestly think that there was more keys hit in anger over Apple releasing a battery case than anything else that happened in the entirety of 2015. So, well, Do you know what case, this reminds me of? This reminds me of when I... I, I think it was either the 2005 or 2006 Macworld Expo when Steve Jobs stood on stage for the keynote and actually talked about iPod socks. That's that's kind of what this reminds me of as as far as everyone just kind of uh, going crazy about it. I frankly think that that this iPhone case is the butt ugliest battery case that I have ever seen. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you don't have to use it. You have other <laughs> choices. So if mm -hmm. Apple wants to lay an egg with a battery case, then, you know, just uh, why worry about it? Even though Gaz and I went on. I was going to say, I, see, I think it's one of the best things I've ever designed. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because... Why is it the shape it is? It's the shape it is so that it's so that it can be in one piece without with those fiddly break apart things. It's in that shape so that it doesn't obstruct the antennae, and it's in that shape. Uh, ooh, what was the other? Yeah, so you can take it on and off easily. So when you're actually holding it, when you're actually using it for what it's meant for, it does the job really well. It's it's the perfect example of the philosophy that form should follow function. So what if it looks a bit weird? Who cares? It's a really, you know, it's designed to be a good battery, not designed to be pretty. And the biggest criticism everyone always has against Apple is that they say that Apple makes stuff pretty and then ruin the features. Well, here's the exact opposite. Apple have thought about only about the features and everyone's still cranky. So you can't win. No, that, that's partly because they've become, a, they've, uh, they expect it to be pretty. <laughs> if you know what I mean, Apple's come out with beautiful, iconic devices and then they do something that isn't quite so beautiful and iconic. Quite so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I have no real preference one way or another. I, I probably wouldn't use it. Uh, I haven't got an iPhone anyway, so it doesn't really affect me. Um, this, this, this is a device. Where somebody said that base. All they're doing here is making sure they don't lose money on the table because there are battery devices out there and people are using them. It's not. It. It. Some people were saying, "Oh, it's a device to make sure that your iPhone doesn't die during the day." iPhone six, no problem. Doesn't iPhone die, six yeah. plus. Even better. So it's only really yeah. going to be used with the iPhone 6. And actually, I don't have a problem with a battery life on that. So it's not for that. It's because there are still other companies out there, and some people do require uh, an extra battery. And it's Apple saying, okay, let's have some of that pie. 
but I really think they could have made a better job on its looks. I know what yeah. you're saying, Mark. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but boy, oh boy, it, I, every time I look at it, I just shake my head, which is not something we're used to when we're looking at Apple products. Yeah. Well, the um... sorry, let me rephrase that. It's not something I'm used to when I'm looking at Apple products. I'll <laughs> They, they didn't make a perfectly circular mouse once. And that, <laughs> yeah, to me, I, is the I, opposite that's... of what they've done here. Because they're perfectly I circular was, mouse. I think that was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was. It was the for perf- the first iMac in 97 or 98. Yeah. The perfectly circular mouse was made to look pretty, and no one bothered checking whether or not it was a good mouse. Which it wasn't. <laughs> it was an awful mouse, because you never knew what bloody way the thing was pointed. It was a disastrous thing ever. So at least this is actually a really good battery case. It just doesn't look great. Well, you know, there is one thing that I like about this battery case as compared to every other battery case that I've seen out there in that it it uses the lightning port as a charging port and as a sync port on the case itself instead of a stupid... Uh, micro USB or mini USB that that every single other other case has, and that's something I've never been able to figure out. You have to license the Lightning port in order to make a battery case that works with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Why are you putting a micro or mini USB connection at the bottom there? Why not just go whole hog and put a Lightning port there too? Unless you have to pay the, the same uh, you know the same licensing fee twice. Well, I think the lightning port has a brain in it, so the lightning port isn't cheap, whereas the USB port is as dumb as dishwater. It has no brains. It's just a bit of solder. Yeah, but, I mean, you've already got one on there that, that's going into the phone itself. Yeah, you'd have to pay, you'd have to pay twice for the hardware to actually do the, the you know, because a lightning connector has a brain, so you'd have to pay for two brains. Mm. And so if your margins are paper thin, maybe that makes a difference. Yeah, maybe. So my... Uh, my theory on this case is on, totally on this case or the battery? on this particular on the, on the on the case that we're talking about for the battery case for this phone. <laughs> this is Apple's way of telling anyone out there that believes like Elvis, Steve Jobs didn't die, that Steve Jobs isn't dead. dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were absolutely right in your introduction to this, Bart. Um, the reason it, it absolutely fulfills the criteria of something that's far more important than the investigatory powers bill because it's completely trivial. Actually, as someone who's a veteran of student politics, the, student politics is more vicious than real politics because it doesn't matter a damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was just something for the internet to get worried about until Star Wars came out. You know, just Maybe a diversion tactic. <laughs> You know, that's actually a pretty good theory because I haven't, other than this show, I haven't heard anything else about the battery case since Star Wars came out. <laughs> that's a good point, actually. Yeah, just because we do a month in review, it just come back up again. <laughs> well, I, I heard somebody mention that they, they changed the name from Force Touch because of the Star Wars connection. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> they, well, you know, some I can, I, and the more I thought about that, who is on the board in Apple and on Disney? Well, it used to be Steve Jobs, but obviously, unless he's a forced ghost. Well, <laughs> does, does, has his wife taken up that position? Has she taken a board position? I, I, I think that's more of a, a honorary 
position. I, I don't know how she is in business. It would it, it would it it would be lovely though. I'd love somebody to come out of the book. Do you know they're going to cause it? Call call the next Star Wars film, The Force Awakens. I really do think we ought to change the name of the Force Touch we've got on now. Either that it or just, use just it, made it, me smile. it just made me smile. I know that probably didn't happen. Use I, it I, in advertising when you're using a uh, an Apple trackpad. It says every you know if your machine is asleep and you use your Apple trackpad, your Apple trackpad, it's Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, there is no uh, no one named Jobs in, in the Disney board currently. All right, thank you. Okay, um, I am going to move us on to our second last major story, which is a meta story, as in it is a collection of little stories which together are probably worth talking about. So. The whole mobile payments thing is continuing to evolve rapidly. So just this month, so just in December, we've had Apple announcing that they have made a deal in China to enter the Chinese market with Union Pay, and they will do so as soon as they get the green light from the Chinese government. So they're hoping to do that in 2016. Uh, Walmart have launched Walmart Pay. Hmm. Google Wallet has updated itself, so you can now SMS money to each other. I can't see what could possibly go wrong, but okay. Absolutely not. And Target have decided to let slip a little rumor that they're working on one too, because I guess they don't want to be left behind uh, Walmart. So clearly this space is continuing to hut up. Yeah. Um, considering that Target got hit with a uh, a hack not that long ago and lost yeah. people's information, including their, their credit card numbers, I'm really, really not interested in Target Pay, and I'm not interested in Walmart Pay. I'm certainly not interested in Google knowing all of my credit card numbers. Yeah, uh, I'm actually quite happy now. The only place there's there's not too many places in in the area, or at least the stores that I go to, that use Apple Pay. But I know every time I go into a Walgreens, and uh, I, I'm walking up to the counter and I've got whatever the heck it is I'm going to buy. And it, I see the, the the payment terminal. It's like, oh, yeah, they take Apple Pay. And so I, you, even though it's just as easy to reach into my pocket and pull out a credit card, it's like, ooh. And and it, it hasn't failed yet. There's somebody in line that's like, wow, did you just do that? It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> do you do that with your phone or your watch? I don't have a watch. Okay, so your phone. Yeah. Because just imagine the looks you get if you did it with your watch. Or just wave your hands around the terminal like, you know, Ben Kenobi. This is not the payment system that you were looking for. No, I think it is. You have yeah. paid. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, yeah, I just hope they come to Ireland soon. Yeah, the, I, I, I'm still waiting for – I bank with two different banks and neither of them use – um, Apple Pay yet. However, one of them, which is the co-op, uh, the cooperative, mm -hmm. all of their stores take Apple Pay and did do from a very early time. <laughs> but so I'm, you know, I scratch my head every time because I'd use it all the time because I certainly use the um, touch to the, the terminals with the card. So I've used that for a long time. So I definitely use the phone because I generally have the, my phone in my hand. Yeah. I have left the house without my wallet. I have not yet left the house without my phone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I, I think a reason that Apple, I, that I hope Apple do very well in this space is because their motivation is different. So Apple's motivation yes. is to give us a secure private way of paying. Walmart's motivation is to make sure we don't get a secure private way of paying because they really want to know what we're up to. They want to track us, which is why they have a Walmart pay all of a sudden magically. And I'm sure Target is thinking very similarly. So, you know, all of these Me Too's, be careful which one you go for because they're not, their motivation is not the same as Apple's motivation. Well, all of these stores basically want to they they want to know what you're buying. I mean, they've been doing it in the UK for a long, long time. All of the biggies they all they all register what you're what you're buying so that they can target you as a person with deals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. Any other thoughts on the payment stuff before we move on? Okay, um, I don't usually talk about rumors, but this one got so much talk. I just thought we had to mention it. So. It is rumoured that Apple have suspended talks about their rumoured US TV service because apparently the TV stations are insisting on bundling their channels. There are no facts here because this is all about a service that doesn't exist yet. But everyone's going bonkers about it because everyone was like, but the whole point of the Apple TV was that it was supposed to give Americans telly. It's like, yeah, there is a whole rest of the world though. Any thoughts? Yeah, the the, the biggest problem, and, and, and this is the part that I, I've never understood about cable television versus over the air <laughs> when all of these stations were basically just over the air how did they pay for their content they paid for their content through advertising mm-hmm. cable companies came in and they were willing to pay CBS and NBC and ABC and HBO and all these other companies money on top of whatever they were earning off of advertising to get access to their content now here we are 30 40 years later after the advent of cable and they're used to that to that that mm. m- money stream and when someone comes in and says you know what you know you can still make some money by bundling your content as an app and allowing people to pick and choose what content they want because maybe most of America isn't interested in Korean opera or, you know, maybe we're, we don't need 20,000 different shopping channels that, that the cable companies are bundling in and counting that toward, you know, their advertising with, well, we're giving you 6,000 channels, 5,995 of which you just don't give a crap about, but they're there. They are there. So, you know, someone has to pay for all this stuff. And I guess the, the downside of it is if it does go to a, a true, you know, pick and choose what channels you want, there's going to be some channels that are just going to go away because they won't have enough people buying into them to justify staying in business. Well, you know what? That's how business works. Oh, so that's so, why there's new media for all of those niche things. Those new yeah. things don't need to be on television. Doesn't these things can be on the internet? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's nuts. This just all reeks of, uh, of this is growing pains for this mm. industry that wants to hang on to its power. And I'm talking about the the network television as well as the yeah. cable companies in any way that they can. And it, you know, they do it in spite themselves. This is an old old tradition that goes back. To the late 1800s, the, the <laughs> invention of the telephone and the invention of the monopolists, 
that came throughout you know, my old company, AT&T. And it's just part of the DNA of these companies. Uh, you know, I'm going to just a little intervene here and suggest a wonderful book called The Master Switch. Whether you look at it, um, you know, audiobook or read it, it's The Rise and Fall of Information Empires. It's by Tim Wu. Fantastic book that steps you through this whole evolution of the cable, the movie industry, the monopolist, what happened, how that turned into the Internet. Just a fascinating book that explains a lot of this away and why Apple is having to fight these battles right now because it's just built into the DNA of these companies and they're going to go kicking and screaming just like the music industry has, you know, in letting music finally go, you know, and have us have unencrypted files and things like this. It's just not an easy battle for companies like Apple. The crazy thing is the music companies are making just as much money now as they were before. So, right. but it takes you know, it's this generational thing. We've got to get the ex the gens, the millennials, into positions of power in order for for that. For, and then, you know what? I don't agree with DNA. that. I don't okay. agree with that. And and I'll tell you why. Because the the people that are coming up in these companies were picked by the old guard. So the old guard is going to pick the people that are most like them. That's kind of how, especially when you're talking about content companies. You know, they're they're looking to hold on to their piece of the pie through you know hook or crook. It doesn't matter whether it's an outmoded model. It doesn't matter because this is this is how they've made their money in the past. They have no idea whether this new methodology is going to make them as much money. So why make a change? And even these new people that are coming up, they're looking at they're looking at the bottom line. Most of these people, they're not. They're not content people. They haven't made television shows. They haven't made movies. These are these are accountants that are right. tracking right. money. Which is why when they start to lose money, they will do what the music industry did and do a 180. That's, that's, my, that's my point, is that they will do that. And there is going to be among all of those, and I agree with you, that this is how these companies run and, and the kind of people that they groom are like-minded thinkers. But there's always going to be that rebel. You know, there's going to, always going to be that, you know, that Skywalker that's going to go in there and say, you know what, there's got to be a different way. And as they see people cutting the cord, not buying their services, opting into different forms of media, you know, then somebody's going to finally realize, just like in the music industry, that, hey, at least we can maybe be where we were, even if we're not making a ton more and we're not the monopoly anymore. Uh, so that's why I think, and maybe I'm being Pollyanna, but I think that that's no, our, our, our hope. It's not Pollyanna. Hope. It's just plain old greed, right? When the, As long as the shareholders are getting their quarterly returns, they don't care what idiot runs the company. Mm-hmm. But as soon as their return goes down, that idiot is is out. And his ideas are considered tainted because his ideas are losing people money. So that's what happened in the music industry. The, the old execs went, oh, no, 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 no. And then they started losing money. And then the old execs found themselves completely irrelevant all of a sudden because they were not bringing in the money. So well, these TV guys are going to go the same way. The thing to so. remember about the music company is that they were basically tricked into the first <laughs> digital deals because they didn't see digital downloads as being important. They had all of their record stores. They had their hooks into Walmart and Best Buy and Virgin Media and, you know, all of these stores all over the world that were selling their CDs and DVDs. 
And then all of a sudden, practically overnight, I mean, by 2004, 2005, did anyone even still know where a record store was? They were all gone. The same thing kind of happened with uh, video rentals. As video rentals started going online, uh, I told people 10 years ago, get at, you know, if you have Blockbuster stock or Blockbuster stock, sell it because they're going out of business. And that's exactly what happened. Digital downloads took over the market that they had a monopoly on. And it, it's really and the, the problem is, is, is that the, the video content creators, as stupid as they are, they're not stupid. <laughs> they, they can see the history of what's happened before and what they have to do to hang on to what they have now as compared to the, to what they consider to be mistakes made by the music industry and the, the rental industries for, for video content. And they don't want to make those same so-called, you know, air quotes mistakes and lose what they have, not realizing that in the long run, it doesn't matter because all the people that are watching your content will continue to watch your content in whatever form that you decide to allow other people to put it out on. But, so, but, getting, back, but getting back to the point, Apple well, have decided to suspend their talks because uh -huh. they're not getting a service which they feel is right, irrespective of what all those companies do, how they make money, whether they make money, whether they could make money better. That, that's almost irrelevant to the point that Apple have said, bah, you're, not, you're not giving us what we need to do a service which is right for the people. So we'll stop. And the other thing is, not only were they stopping, but they're also, by releasing the Apple TV 4 or well, whatever the new one this number is, and by telling everyone the future is apps. Now, I think they are dead right that the future is apps. Yes. But by not making a deal, they have just signed their own death warrant because the future is apps, and Apple are now completely committed to that future, and they've just basically gone, fine, have it your way. Keep doing your thing. We're going the app route. Good day, good night, and good luck. And I think it's better for everyone all around. The sooner this concept of television channels, because what makes me so cranky about this why are they insisting on bundling? They're insisting on bundling because they know that no one wants the shit. They know it's junk. They know yeah. it's garbage. That's why they're forcing a bundling because no one would watch it otherwise. Well, that's a pretty that's darn right. good reason to know you're doing the wrong thing, isn't it? Well, I know my product stinks. <sighs> Sorry, I had to get it off my chest because that really, really makes me so angry about this whole bundling. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was talking about with, with the cable companies where they they give you hundreds of channels, most of which you're never going to watch because it's all it's it's a lot of crap. Yeah, they make you buy them together and then charge you for everything they made you take. It's, it's yeah. an extortion racket. Exactly. Like, it's terrific. Anyway. And, and here and in this country, the telcos have been doing that forever. You know, it's the same scam. You know, what do you guys call it in England? It's the scheme. It's a, you know, it's their little way of doing business, you know, where they want you to they bundle up these bad yeah. services just so that you can have friggin' Pot's telephone line. You know, those days have to just end across the board for all of these monopolists. They do. Well, in but my the opinion. technology is killing an awful lot of them. I mean, why, why are services like WhatsApp so popular? Because SMS prices were literally extortionate. That costs exactly. almost nothing for the telcos to provide because it's just piggybacking on an empty channel anyway. Uh, but they overplay their hand and they lost. 
And I think I the music the, industry I, just overplay their hand. Oh, sorry, the TV. I industry. count on the consumer. I count on the consumer being wise enough, just like what's up, to figure this stuff out and put enough pressure on them to go, okay, we give. What I can't understand about the whole thing is, I mean, I don't, it's a, my television element of my monthly payments to Virgin Media is fairly small. Um, and I really think that they could make just as much money selling individual channels that I want to watch because I'd be prepared to pay the two or three pounds each that they might cost me. So yeah. I don't see they'd be losing out at all. But well, the thing is, be. these negotiations aren't happening in the UK or Ireland, though, because our monthly cable bills are a lot smaller than American monthly cable yes. bills. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and remember as well that it, it's not just the US or Ireland or the UK that they have to fight this battle. They have to fight this battle in every single jurisdiction that they go into. You see, this is why I think apps was the right idea, because they can't fight this battle in every jurisdiction. But Correct. apps just works everywhere. So as someone who's not in a major country, I mean, Ireland is simply never going to be first on the list for any of this cool stuff. If they make deals, we're never going to get it. Apps we get straight away. So apps is the right answer because apps works in little places like Ireland, Luxembourg, all these little countries. It works for everyone. And it saves Apple so much negotiating. Right. And here in the US, the cable companies are crapping their pants because they don't want Apple to become the aggregator of channels via apps. Well, I mean, really, all that all they need to do, all they need to do, is for people that want just internet. It, it, you know, eventually, they're all they're going to become is an ISP, and once that happens, their TV part of it goes away. Once that happens, their telephone part of that goes away. So there would be no point in bundling TV, telephone, and um, internet. Because it's all internet. It, you're, you're just a service provider. So, you know, get on board with that as soon as you can. Make yourself out to be the good guy, the one that's looking out for the consumers, and, and watch people flock to your service. Okay, you know what's always been future, my dream? Guy. I'm sorry I, I didn't hear you, Bart. I am living in that future. My, my provider of internet is Virgin Media, who are traditionally a cable company. I have no TV service. I have you don't no need phone it. service. Yeah, I don't need it. I have really good internet from Virgin Media, and I'm really quite happy with them, and I pay them a very reasonable amount of money every month for 120 megabits of internet. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good day. Yeah, you know what my dream is, and it always has been for a very long time, is that Apple just become an ISP. Oh, I don't want Apple doing it. No, I, that, that won't. They, oh, my God, I can't even imagine the health. They could do it. But they could only do it for America, the same thing, if they became, If they became like a... Uh, um, uh, an, an, an ISP with your telephone. If they became a, a carrier, it would be an antitrust iPhone. issue, probably. But you know, oh well. As long as we get past that, I think we'll be okay then. But, but Victor, <laughs> remember, America is not the world. Like for Apple to become uh, course, an ISP, that would like that is such an undertaking. They wouldn't have time to be Apple anymore. Right. Which would make me. Well, they could they could buy about any phone company they wanted to. Yeah, but if just owning it doesn't make it behave right. That's true. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. I'm going to move us out of the big stories into just a few little quick things that should be mentioned. So for all of those millions of people who used Firefox OS... Oh, wait. No. Never mind. Yeah. Firefox OS has been abandoned by Mozilla because it really, really, really was... It didn't go anywhere. I feel really sorry for, sorry for those two or three people who are using it. I mean, 
It's not fair on them, is it? I'm sure they were delighted with their OS, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both of them. <laughs> yeah, right now they're, they're opening their drawer, pulling out that phone that they haven't used in six months, going, hey, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing. Uh, the Steve Jobs movie may have been awful in cinemas, or as in it was dropped very quickly from the cinemas, but uh, it appears to be doing pretty well with film critics because it has four Golden Globe nominations. And the weird thing is, everyone I've spoken to who's actually seen it has said it's a really good film. It's not about Steve Jobs, it's not accurate, but it's a really good film. Yeah, oh, I, I haven't seen it's it. I've, a, I've been kind of waiting for it to come out on video. I've it's a it. really good film. It's really well written. It has great, great characters. It's a really well made movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I refuse to spend $20 plus when you throw in popcorns and a drink to see a documentary. I'm but it's not. not. It's, it's, no, it's no, not. No, it's, it's not, not a documentary. I know, but, oh, no. uh, well, when I say documentary, I, I probably should have said uh, a, a movie that is supposed to be based on factual occurrences. No, no. I it don't isn't. think it is supposed to all be based on factual occurrences. It's well, a drama. A drama oh, yes. well, loosely based on factual uh, uh, things. That's what See, I mean. Steve Jobs was a hook that he hung a, 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 a father-daughter relationship story on. Totally, totally. And it didn't fit very well as a hook because he had to bend reality quite a lot. But it's still a good movie, even though it's not about Steve Jobs. Okay. Well, I look forward to seeing it eventually. Well, you'll get your chance at some at some stage yeah. when those nice cable companies let you. <laughs> oh, that's why I love them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Apple had said in the keynote that they would be doing their best to get rid of the 25,000 song limit on iCloud Music and iTunes Match. They have... They have begun to deliver on that. People are seeing the limit disappear from their accounts. And also, as promised, Apple Music has come to Sonos. Uh, and then in the good news from an app point of view, BBC iPlayer has come to the new Apple TV in the United Kingdom. Um, I don't know whether anyone else has used it much, but it's very fast. Yep. I mean, Virgin Media, you can wait for about five minutes for iPlayer to come up. Oh, yep. but- but but the iPlayer on on Apple TV is just almost instantaneous. Yeah, I like it. It's well Good. it's well implemented. It is excellent. I just wish they'd let me buy it. They used to have an international version of iPlayer that I used to pay eight euros a month for, and I was delighted. And they, oh, and they continued it. They? Yeah, mm. I was literally giving them money, and they didn't want it anymore. So sad. Anyway, uh, finally, just to mention that CNN are airing what I believe is being called a controversial Steve Jobs documentary called The Man and the Machine, and they're doing that on January 3, which is tomorrow as we record, so maybe yesterday as people listen. Um, But I'm sure it's available. I'm sure they'll play it more than once. It is CNN, after all. It's not like they never repeat stuff. This is CNN. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. And that is all. Luke, I am your father. Yeah, I, I was just about to go along, go along those lines. Join the dark side. There's me thinking you were going to then follow that up with, "This is CNN again." Again. <laughs> okay, folks. No, thank you. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to end the show before I completely lose control of my panel. Um, oh. <laughs> Okay, guys, thank you very much for giving your time over, as always. Um, just before we do the final introductions, just to say that there are full, or there will be full and detailed show notes over at letstalk.ie, which is the show's website. And this uh, is where Guy would actually have a round of applause, because as I've said before, Bart, your show notes are always excellent. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. It's, yeah, I put a lot of work into them, but that way the show works. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, You really don't want to see our show notes. 
But you don't do a new show. <laughs> no, we don't. Like You know, it's different. Because when I do show notes for other stuff, they're just like a scrap of paper virtually. Yeah. But this show is yeah. different. The MyMac.com As- podcast, it's different. <laughs> anyway, so show notes at lesstestalk.ie. Well, you happen to be there. There's three big blue buttons in the sidebar under the heading support the show. Please consider supporting the show. Um a big shout out, as always, to all of our patrons on Patreon. Literally, you guys you guys make it possible for me to keep doing the show because every month money comes in from Patreon and then bills come in and then I put the money from Patreon towards the bills and it all sorts itself out and that's how it should be. So thank you very much everyone who does support the show on Patreon. Um, if you don't already support the show on Patreon, the way it works is you pledge a small amount per show that comes out. And if I don't get the shows out, then no money comes out of your credit card. And the idea being, you know, you pledge like 50 cent an episode, a dollar an episode, you know, a small amount. And over the year, that then becomes, you know, if enough people do that, that actually becomes enough to pay all the bills, etc. And also just to say that it will always be two shows a month. One, Let's Talk Apple and Let's Talk Photography are billed together. So if you only want to give to one, divide by two and then make your pledge and it will work out. Uh, And if I do a special show, that will always be a free show. So it will always be two. Uh, and there's also a PayPal button. And those of you who click the PayPal button, that is also very helpful. And thank you very much. And it's right there. And then the last one is a Zazzle button where you can get cool stuff that is branded with the show's logo. And that works kind of in two ways. Firstly, I get a, a commission from Zazzle. And secondly, you are then a walking advertising billboard for my shows, which is great. <laughs> so you help twice, which is very cool. And of course, you can just go to iTunes and leave a review. That is always very much appreciated too. Get a woody. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't quite gotten around to inventing something as cool as a Wooty, although I'm still happy that I've earned a Wooty on your show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has a place of honor somewhere in your, you know, bathroom. Well, in my heart. That's a bit ah, okay, okay. <laughs> Virtual heart. Well, I mean, it, yeah, the honor of a Wooty is in having it read out on the show that I got one. Not, in having Not actually having it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I won an Oscar, I'd feel the same way. <laughs> Anyway, panel, thank you very much. So in reverse order, Victor, thank you for joining us. And would you like to plug your excellent podcast? I would be happy to. My podcast is called TerraTech at TerraTech.tech. And if you haven't listened, this is a great time to start. Uh, The first show this year features a real rocket scientist from NASA talking about all things having to do with launch uh, services program. Really neat show. Yeah, I I was just listening to it this afternoon, actually, and it's really quite fascinating NASA isn't run the way you might think NASA is run. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, it's a really cool show. Really enjoy it. So uh, thank you, Victor. Um, next in reverse order, I think, was Nick. Uh, thank you for joining us, Nick. And would you like to give any plugs? Ooh, we have did we lose Nick? Did we lose Nick? That'd be terrible. Ooh. I did hear I did hear a, a second ago, which is the awful <laughs> Skype hang up thing. Oh, look at that. There are only four of us in this call. Oh, dear. Well, uh, Nick is Spligosh on Twitter and you can follow him there. Um, and thank you, Nick. And Sorry, I didn't notice you'd vanished. Uh, Gaz, would you like to go next? Yeah, well, I know that um, that Guy is likely to... Um, uh, um, <laughs> I'd like to do a lot talk, of things. Talk about, talk about the MyMac <laughs> podcast where uh, he and I do a weekly show. But I'm actually going to give a shout out to Mike Potter, who's just recently yeah. put out the uh, Mac Stock 2016 details. So uh, go over to For Mac Eyes Only or look for Mac Stock 2016 or the Mac Stock 
uh, expo and conference and expo. Um, if you type those into Google, you'll find it. So, because uh, um, I know that Guy is going to probably um, talk about our show. <laughs> Good idea. I'm going to be speaking on that, so I'm really looking forward to it. Excellent. Did you go well to done, it last year, Victor? I didn't, but darn it, I'm going to do everything in my power to go. I was asked to speak, and I'm, I'm just, I can't wait. That is actually a really awesome show, and it's just, it's big enough to where you get enough people to, to make it worthwhile, but it's small enough to where you don't get overwhelmed like you do at like a Macworld Expo. Cool. Excellent. Go, guy. Go for the oh, My Close. turn now. Yes, it okay. is your turn. Um, as uh, as was mentioned earlier, Gaz and I are co-hosts on the MyMac.com podcast. It is a tech podcast with uh, a real difference. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, that's what we need to say. <laughs> yeah, that difference is uh, somewhat... Intelligence. Um, yeah, yeah, it, or lack thereof. Uh, we have a really, really good time with the show. Uh, it's a tech it's a tech podcast for people that really don't like tech podcasts. <laughs> I can safely say that as having been a guest a few times, it is one of the funnest shows to be on I have ever been on. <laughs> well, it's certainly different. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, and uh, I'm Mac Parrot on Twitter. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody was going to do that. Well, it wasn't me. I know. I've no, heard it's, it's infectious. I clearly I have caught the uh, I've caught the bug. The parrot bug. The parrot bug. Mad parrot disease. Yeah. Parrot flu. Yes. 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 Anyway. Uh, mad Mac parrot disease. Yes. Yes. Anyway, there we go. We, we, we're really good at doing long outros. Uh, introducing ourselves, and we've hijacked <laughs> yours, Bart. I was going to say, usually this takes me like thirty seconds. What's going on? <laughs> hey, at least I didn't have soundboard on this time. For that, we are eternally grateful. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bouchas. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. On the MyMag.com podcast. And how could they contact you, Gaz? (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't speak Parrot, that's Gaz at MyMag.com, G-A-Z at MyMag.com. And you can also reach him on the Twitters at Twitter.com forward slash GazMaz, G-A-Z, M-A-Z, And we have a combined Twitter account, which is twitter.com forward slash Guy and Gaz, G-U-I-A-N-D-G-A-Z. <laughs> and if, if you wanted to let Fearless Leader know that you don't speak Parrot, you can let him know that by sending an email to feedback at mymac.com, no Zed. <laughs> You're listening to the G-Men 